Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Against the Grain podcast, where we discuss woodworking and the business of woodworking. This is episode number 20 for April 5th, 2018. My name is Justin De Palma, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Guy Dunlap. How are you? And Freddie Roman. Good afternoon. Switched it up on you guys. Yes. <laughs> Change is good sometimes. Sometimes. What is but going on, means, guy? Oh, uh, exactly. Go ahead, Freddie. What are you saying? I was saying, but it doesn't mean that you go, guy's not going to go first. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I um, I'm 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 going to be done with the buffet this week. I think. Uh-oh. Thank the Lord, it's it's going to be finished. I got the uh, first coat of finish on it today. Over the weekend, I got some more um, inlay and fixed that corner. Uh, those corners and, you know, routed the old inlay out. And that was, um, that was a real butt clenching moment to (laughs) to, to go in there and try to get that stuff out. Uh, basically the, 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 the router fence I used can be adjusted. You know, it's got a micro adjust on it and it came out real nice. I'm, I'm real happy with it. I spent almost a whole day putting in three pieces of inlay that were about maybe 18 inches long, Mm. but, uh, it was, uh, it was worth it. It was worth it because it, it, it looks much better now. Like I said, the miters were always good on it. That wasn't the issue. The issue was, is that when I was putting the inlay in originally, I didn't notice that part of the inlay I was putting in was the, the black line on it was thinner on one end than on the other end. Okay. So, you know, I, I glue it in there and it's proud above the surface, but when I flushed it down, the black line in the center of the inlay was off like, you know, a 64th to a 32nd of an inch. It doesn't sound like a lot, but, it is a lot mm-hmm. and you can really see it and it really bothered the hell out of me. So I when got the all colors contrast that much. You see it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it was right in front too and on both corners on the same side. So, uh, I got all that out and, and redid it and it's, it's going to be nice when it's done. So Good. I'm going to be happy to get that out of my shop. How many coats of finish are you going to put on it, you think? Oh, I'm putting armor seal on it. That's what I decided to go with. And the whole piece will get one coat inside and out and probably three coats on the outside, maybe four coats on the top. Okay. But I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, any type of real film finish on it. And armor seal really doesn't, work that much as a, as a, as a heavy film finish anyways, but I just want to give it good protection, especially on the top. Nice. So, uh, another question for you is, do you know your next project? Yes. Okay. I'm in Freddie. What's going on with you? (laughs) 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 No, no. What what were you going to say guy? No, I've been, I'm in the, the process of, of doing the design work now for it. So, uh, we'll, what is we'll it? See. I'll, I'll announce it. It's going to be a, a, a an executive desk. Oh, okay. Yes. Wow. So it's my turn. 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I I was contemplating your your exuberant. Uh, I don't know what that. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um. <laughs> so the shop is getting somewhat back to normal in regards to space. There's been a lot of dining room tables leaving the shop, which is great. And um, there's a lot more work coming in, so I guess that's a blessing, and I'm very grateful for that. The newest. Uh, things I'm going after lately and in the phones, it seems to be ringing and I'm very happy about because I'm, I'm more chasing numbers versus um, work. I'm really chasing for higher numbers and profit margins and a capability that I, uh, that I will need to bring in other people to work with me on site. So lately I've been going after doing some commercial jobs and I got two responses today just before I, we started this podcast to go ahead and do some interiors of restaurants. And one of them is a 1920s inspired French, like um, really rustic Victorian, not rustic, but really Victorian style, French Rococo inspired interiors with with really high class for a very wealthy restaurant for a wealthy town near Boston. So that's one that's gonna most likely gonna be happening. And then I got a commercial job potentially doing another restaurant on the first floor and then doing all the interiors for the second and third floor, which would be commercial property for rental. So those are the things that have been happening outside of the shop. And um, regarding anything else here, uh, the month of March has flown by. I'm, I'm happy I have nowhere to go to teach this month. And that's about it, really. really. When, when you say... French inspired. I think of burlesque. That yeah, well, the 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 antique finishes with the the aging done to them and everything. Is that what they're thinking? Yeah, they're thinking all that. They're thinking, thinking all this really heavy, you know, fabric and benches and and like carved motifs and uh, really high style, possibly painted white in some elements and. Oh. And everything yeah, I, th- I think I think Ethan Allen when I hear that. It's not Ethan Allen, unfortunately. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but that's but that, that's what that's what I see in my mind's eye. Okay. I guess I'm I'm, I'm thinking something else. Mm-hmm. But it's really it's really more heavy and uh, really uh, kind of old school fashion, 1920s uh, pinup. Like uh, old school dresses and, you know, the guys with the shiny shoes okay. and tap dancing area, you know, uh, time frame. So that kind of style. And it's really going to be very sophisticated meals that, you know, a salad will cost you like $35 and you get, you know, two cuts of lettuce and a, and a tomato kind of mentality. So <laughs> that's kind of where, where it's leading. So I'm very excited because it's big numbers and um, I'm, go- mm-hmm. I'm leaving outside my normal routine of furniture i'm just trying to reduce the quantity and if i can have someone i can trust here in the shop it gives me the ability to be able to dive in two areas so that i can take advantage of any opportunity that comes up and not worry about being stuck always in the shop and being shop rat i'm okay leaving the shop and and instagram has been a blessing because i've connected with several guys locally that are very talented that i right off the bat can say hey i need you for this job and they'll say, all right, just let me know where I got to go. And I'm 100% confident that I say, this is what we need to put up. And say, it's on you. Mm-hmm. And I can just walk away and they're just going to get it done. And I'm excited about right. that. Good, good. As for me, uh, I just finished up that bar, mm-hmm. um, which is good because that was a 
that was a two week grind for myself just to get it done in time. Um, part of that was my own fault because it just not not my own fault, but just backed up with other stuff, and then that deadline for that just came up, and I just had to do it. So get it done, which it's good and bad. Uh, I got that done, and then today I started working on another little table for somebody a plywood table with a solid edging and there's a chair that goes with it or a bench mm-hmm. attached to the wall a quick little one and then uh this morning i started cutting a load of foam i believe it's going to be I, I think i only have two more left and then i'm done wow. i might be done the whole thing with the foam so which uh, i'm ready to be done with it i'm ready to just have a little break but uh besides that what else am I doing? Um, I glued up some wood to make a boat transom today. It's in a vacuum bag right now. Awesome. So add that to the list of things I've, I'll, I'll have made in my <laughs> life. But just something simple. Glue and plow together and cut the shape out. But somebody needed it. I'll do it. I actually had made one of those probably about 15 years ago for a friend of mine. Where it, yeah. it had rotted out in the back and I had made a new one for him. Yeah, that's what this one. And it, it's... I think the one that they brought over, it, it says something about boats. So I would imagine it's a marine grade, but there's nothing on it. It's it's just plywood, and it the wood part it rotted. That's all. Hmm. But yeah, so they're gonna epoxy this. I just have to glue it together and cut the shape out to get the thickness they nice. need. Yeah, something different. Totally. But otherwise, that's that's about it. That's it. It was good to be in the shop doing woodwork. So. That's good. Yep. Uh, so this is it, the big show. We're gonna do a, a finishing pot, a finishing show. But before we get into that, guy, do you want to talk about Patreon? Yes, we did get on the spot. No, sweet segues. <laughs> I remember that. Um, we had a couple new um, uh, patrons this. Over the last week, actually, since we recorded our last show, which was uh, Peter, I, I'm, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, Escobedo. Mm. I hope I, I hope I got that right. And Steve Karininit, Karinsich. I think I got that wrong too. Ba-dum-bum. But thank you guys. But I'm bumped. But uh, we're, we're also going to uh, mention all the uh, the mahogany and cherry subscribers, our, our patrons, which is Tab Adams, Eric Cole, Dean Cross, Kerry Garden, Eric Mormon, Cole Roberts, Sean Raymakers, John Ross, Aaron Fox, and Luke Hatterberg. Thanks, guys. We appreciate thank you. it. Thank you. What about Larry? Thank you. Thank you. And Larry. <laughs> Larry Grover. <laughs> uh, again, I, I apologize. I, I don't see it in front of me, so I forget. <sighs> we love you, Larry. Yes, we for, we forgive you, guy. <laughs> guy just, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Guy just needs a. I, I don't want to say a pin up of your name on his wall, but he needs a pin up of your name on his wall. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Anyways, I digress. Uh. How about we talk about finishing? finishing. Cool. All right. <laughs> finishing. Finishing. On our on our wood products. Oh my god. You mean there's more than just polyurethane? <clears throat> there is. 
Is there more than just shellac? Oh, Jesus. No, there's not. There probably <laughs> isn't. <laughs> well, I, I think we had talked about going uh, uh, away on this. Is like, you know, what's our favorite finishes and how we apply them and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the main thing we should let everybody know before we even start this is we're going to talk about what we use because it's just so vast, all the other finishes out there. And I mean, Freddie uses probably more finishes than anybody, but it, it, it's just a rabbit hole that we don't want to go down to get on, on everything mm-hmm. and talk mm-hmm. about all of them. So, yeah. So why don't you go first? If you, well, I, I was going to, I'll, I'll preface it with this. If you do have any questions that you'd like to ask us, period craftsman, with a knee on the end, I'll answer a lot of this for you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> At gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you want me to go first? Sure. Guy? I was like, go over your surface prep. I was, what do you do? All right. You want to yeah, start in the beginning? beginning. Um, I'm going to do what a lot of people don't do, which is I don't sand very <gasps> high. Uh majority of my sanding goes up to 150 grit and that's, that's in it. wood and plywood or wood and what yeah yeah wooden plywood Can you sand mdf plywood i'll just okay no so yeah so i sand to 150 typically unless it's something i don't know if i'm doing an oil finish on it then i'll sand higher but it's usually 150 uh and then I spray, uh, I'm, I'm spraying commercial finishes, which are either conversion varnish or lacquer, which are very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I rarely spray a sealer coat and I rarely spray a primer for that. Mm-hmm. If I'm painting it, I just use all top coat product. So, um, now spraying the water-based stuff, I do spray a coat of shellac as a sealer. And then everything goes on top of that. And the only reason I do that is to help stop the raising of the grain. Mm -hmm. But that's it. In between coats of that, I'll sand with 180. And then uh, I'll sand with the orbital with 180. And then I will hand sand it with 320 or 400 if it's my last coat. And I need to like scuff something in between the two coats for my last one. And typically I'm anywhere between four to five coats for a gloss, real nice high clean glassy finish if i'm just doing a couple coats on let's say some trim that doesn't need to have that complete grain fill i can probably get away with three coats okay and that's it god bless you i don't know where i should (laughs) go from there i mean there is well i i I occasionally spray shellac very rare anymore um for a top coat there's some things i'll do that I'll, i'll do a an oil finish but that's rare again it's, it's usually a little piece of furniture or mm-hmm. something. But a lot of stuff for myself is is a lacquer form of coating. So. Yeah. You, sp- you spray everything, it sounds like. I try to. And that is one of the questions I have for you guys, too, is applying with a brush. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that. Simple. And, and, and I will say this, that... Uh, with, with any finish, and I think Freddie will tell you this as well as Guy is, once you figure out something that works for you, you tend to do a lot. 
of it because it worked. Mm-hmm. So. Man, I still need to learn that lesson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's there's a there's a couple three types of finish i i i tend to use more than anything else but as far as surface prep goes i'm kind of the same way as you justin i'll go 150 180 um sometimes i'll go as high as 320 especially if i'm doing cherry and i know i'm going to be using an oil finish because it helps cut down the blotchiness a little bit um, I've even gone higher on, on cherry before. Um, but usually around 180, 220 is where I'm finishing, um, with that. And like this, this buffet, I did the surface prep alone on that piece took me almost 20 hours to do. And that's, a, that's a lot with the, uh, random orbit sander, but it was also a lot of hand sanding and a lot of scraping. Um, just yeah. go, going over the piece with the, with a fine tooth comb and a flashlight trying to get raking light to find the little dents and dings, uh, that takes time. And if you're going to build a quality piece, you know, you, 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 you know, I've got probably 200 hours in that piece right now. Why, you know, rush through the finishing on it. So I spent the better part of, uh, of three days doing nothing but surface prep on it. Um, but a lot of hand sanding also. Um, I, I do like to do a lot of hand sanding because it's, you know, it's with the grain. And it, if there's any pigtails that I can't see, that typically will get rid of all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I have to say that if I'm hand, I will hand sand a surface, usually with 150 grit or 180, uh, if I'm going to stain it and I need it to... I don't know, like a tabletop or something where you're going to see it. Baseboard, a lot of that stuff I do, it, it's, it, you, you don't necessarily see the pigtails all the time. So yeah, you can get away with it. And it, it depends on color. That's another thing, staining it. So Yeah, I, rare, I rarely use stain. You know, if somebody yeah. asked me, you know, they, well, can you make it look like walnut? And I say, sure, I'll just use walnut. <laughs> right. I, I don't see the point in staining something. The only thing I really do is I... I on on cherry, I'll use. Um, I know a lot of people are going to say, "Don't do that." Uh, the potassium dichromate or the mm-hmm. potash, um, a very light solution of that helps darken it up a little yep. bit um, before I put the before I put the finish on it. That I will do, but very rarely do I I stain anything. If I'm going to impart some color, I'll usually use shellac for that mm-hmm. um, and, and try to do it that way. But there's times I don't want to impart any color, you know, especially like on some some internal stuff I've done with maple before where I've had the, the I want the inside of the cabinet to be bright. I'll use maple on the inside of it. And I'll actually use a water-based poly on that. So it's, it's, it's water white. It doesn't, you know, yellow or anything. And it's... Mm-hmm. It's got a real nice look to it. Um, but as far as finishes go, most of the time I'm using a, a like a custom, I wouldn't call it custom, but I use a, a tried and true uh, wiping polyurethane, which is just regular polyurethane, boiled linseed oil, and some naphtha mixed together. And I get a real nice wiping varnish that way. Mm. And shellac. There's a lot of shellac. You don't, you don't, 
you don't make your own shellac. You just buy it, correct? No, I'm, I mix my own. Oh, you do? Right. I do. I like to, I like to have a, a one and a half pound cut. Um, okay. Very light coats. I don't do a French polish or anything like that, but um, I do like a nice light coat. Dries really fast. Um, easy to sand back and it just seems to work for me really well. Awesome. I always buy my shellac. I've made it before, but for the way that I use it anymore, I just buy the gallons of it and use it as a sealer coat and spray spray on top of it. So Yeah, I do both. So All right, Freddie. Is it my turn? Is it easier for us to start with what you don't do? <laughs> uh, what I don't do? No, probably not cuz I wasn't prepared for that one. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, I guess it all depends if, if the, if the piece is in, is interior or exterior and it all depends if it's furniture I made or if I'm, you know, refinishing something. So for furniture I, I make, I usually sand all the way up to 220. You know, the process usually goes from removing the milling marks with a hand plane and, or, you know, a plane of sorts. And then I would cabinet scrape or and card scrape and then uh, if i'm not trying to mimic a old uh, looking piece then i would just go right to sandpaper but if i am trying to mimic like a burnished look then i would use like the robot polissoise from like don williams and i like to really burnish the surface which is polissoise essentially is a corn broom and you rub it back and forth on the surface mm-hmm. and that really compresses the fibers and it gives it a beautiful glow so uh, th- that's that approach. Uh, when it comes to f- refinishing furniture, I always use as coarse of a grit that I need. I don't jump, you know, I don't strip something and jump to 100 grit, which a lot of restorers used to do. If I can get away with it with 150 grit, I start there and then I go 150, 180, and then 220. Sometimes the 150 or, or coarser is an orbital from Festool. And then I would raise a green with water. And then I would go ahead and hand sand the 180, 220, because often I have to dye everything with a with an alcohol dye, usually of, of of sorts. And lately, that's been my preferred method. So that's what I usually do for preparation of my work. What about what about for new pieces that you're making? Well, new pieces. What's your what's your go-to? Usually, um, like if I'm doing cherry, I personally do not like muted dull cherry that everyone's just like puts a coat of oil on it and they say it's hand rubbed and ooh and ah I don't I like to make my cherry look like it's what's going to be in 10 years starting and so I I would age and dye my my cherry with a custom dye you know you can either do powder dyes from Lockwood or you can use trans tints and then usually I would mix that with alcohol and depending on what the cherry's doing with with uh, the raising of the grain. While you raise the grain in cherry, you can see if there's going to be a lot of blotching occurring. If if there is going to be mm-hmm. some blotching, then I would put like a half pound cut wash coat on the cherry so that those areas that's going to blotch will be more saturated. And then I would rub that back with um, really fine sandpaper, like 320, and then apply my dye. And then I would go ahead and seal it with shellac. And then I may just go ahead and manipulate the color some more by adding some color inside the shellac and then top coat that with a varnish of sorts. And then, you know, if it's open pour, then, you know, 
if I'm trying to mimic something old, then I, after dying and sealing, I would probably glaze it with a glaze, custom made. Some people would use gel stains, possibly. And I may even throw some uh, asphaltum on there, which is a, like roofing tar to further enhance the wood. But, you know, now we're going to really intense finishing. Yeah, that's that's rough tar. I, I, Did I just hear I, you say rough tar? Yeah, that's something I want to ask about, but I'm yeah. scared to get into that. <laughs> I, I had never I've never heard of such a thing. Yeah. I can't get it off myself. How do, how do you get that to work? Well, on the wood? you know, it's more as like asphaltum, you know, uh, and that's a really more refined roofing tar. But you can go if you can't get asphaltum um, and if you don't want to pay the extra price for it, then all it is is roofing tar with um, with like uh, mineral spirits. And commonly roofing tar or, or something like that was used to help enhance the wood. Because a lot of people like to enhance their their material with a coat of boiled linseed oil, usually. But what people don't understand is boiled linseed oil oxidizes. It takes a really long time to dry. And if you're constantly going to mm-hmm. be adding more oil to it, as the piece oxidizes over years, it's going to end up becoming black. And I've seen it firsthand. Pieces that are regularly maintained from, you know, 1700s to what it is now and they continually oiled it when it needed it and when you look at it today on the outside it looks like it's a someone charred it pure black but the inside of it is pure cherry Mm -hmm. or pure pine and that's basically the oil reacting to the atmosphere reacting to the oxidation of of the linseed so i prefer not putting linseed oil on a piece and most people should would come back and say well i'm not going to be alive in 100 years but i always think about what's going to happen in 100 years i left my mark on this planet for hopefully more than 100 years so i'm always thinking about what the future is going to hold so i like to go ahead and still enhance the grain and you still can by after layering on the color and the in the in the seal coats of of the top coat by putting a little bit of roofing tar on there. And that, again, accentuates the grain even further, gives it even more depth. And then after that's, you know, dry, let dry for over 24 hours usually, then you can seal it again with shellac. And my preferred finish is shellac. And the reason being is that everything sticks to shellac and shellac sticks to everything. So it's like my, it's like my barrier. Mm-hmm. It's my, it's, it's my safety net. It's my, Oh crap! What what do we do now? And my my first response to everyone, and when they even email me and ask me what do I do, I always say put shellac. Always use shellac. Shellac is your friend. You know. And yeah. I agree. I started using shellac probably about twenty years ago, and it probably took me, I want to say, five years to figure out myself how to mm-hmm. use it the way I was comfortable with. It's not an easy, you would think it's an easy finish and it, it kind of is, but you really have to have a system down for the way you do it. Uh, Cause it can turn into a big gloppy mess on your, yes. on your furniture well, pretty, well, the, pretty quick. The, what I usually tell people when they first start is if this is not painting. You're not going to be overlapping strokes because it's going to stick. That's number one. What's great about shellac mm-hmm. and same thing with lacquer, it's, it acts as one solid coat and melts to itself. It's not like varnish that you have layers that you have to be worried about that you can sand through. So it's just like if you miss something now, it's okay. Try your best on the next one to hit it. Now, if you kept on missing that same spot, then that's your own damn fault. But hopefully 
you will notice that you have to do overlapping strokes like cutting grass and you have to when you apply it with a brush it's like an airplane coming to land you gently land and extend all the way across to full length and then take off like an airplane's coming off again so that you don't get a fatty edge and it does take practice there is some techniques and i come to the realization mm-hmm. in in and it maybe it, i am actually talented because I felt that I was never talented enough to do any of this, and I felt that if I if I can do it, then anyone else can, because I'm not no special maker. But I quickly realized that this actually takes some skill, and what the skill is is that you have to practice, and you have to fail, and you have to say, well, this is why I use shellac. I can correct this. I can remove the layer of shellac if I had to and start over. So that's the other advantage of it. You brought up a good point about how they mm-hmm. melt together, the layers. And now that I use the water-based stuff, it doesn't mm-hmm. do that anymore, and I miss that. That was one of the things I really like about shellac and lacquer itself, the solvent base, because it does melt together, and it's, it, it forms a nice, strong coat, and you're not, you're not fighting with the issue. You have to get all the dust off to make sure it adheres properly because mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. it melts itself back into it. And, and you know, the... It's very it's forgiving in that sense. And that's it's, very nice. It's, it's very forgiving. But yeah. what people don't realize is that everyone usually goes to the can and they read the directions on the can and they say, it says, do not thin. And in actuality, you, you can thin it. You know, I, I thin my shellac anywhere from a half pound cut and sometimes it's a four pound cut, depending if I'm spraying, padding or brushing. So you have to be able to manipulate the material. And what simple way of doing it is simply put your finger in it and like rub your if, rub your, your thumb and your index and you just kind of like one Mississippi, two Mississippi until it starts tacking on you. And that quickly gives you an understanding of how much time do I have to actually work this material at this atmosphere in your shop. And this, the same thing hmm. occurs with high glue. You put, you know, put your finger in it, rub it back and forth and you count. And if it starts tacking up too fast, if you think to yourself, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this table in five, five seconds, five, you know, Mississippi's. Then, then add more alcohol and then, or add more water if it's high glue. And then you have to understand if you're applying one pound cuts, instead of just applying four coats of it, you may actually have to apply eight coats because it's very thin. My first two coats may be one, one and a half pounds, but my third and fourth coat, it can be two and a half, three pounds I'm putting on there. It's really heavy. Yet it still gives me a very thin film finish visually. You had also mentioned once um, that you like to use the, yes. the wax shellac as mm-hmm. opposed to de-waxed. And the re- you want me to tell you why again? Yeah. Care to elaborate uh, on that a little bit? Well, every, every, everyone assumes <laughs> sure. that the that the shellac wax in the in the shellac it is makes the finish really durable. I mean, not durable, very um, soft. And unfortunately, they're, they're yes, soft. And unfortunately, they're they're not correct. It's much more durable. And everyone, everyone has the same complaint, like, oh, my God, you have to be careful with your, your wine and alcohol beverages. And the answer is yes. If you're going to pour whiskey on the top and say, and, and you know, wipe it all over the surface, then, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to penetrate down to the wood. And it's also very common if it doesn't have shellac wax. But if I have shellac wax, a lot of it, in my shellac, I can say, oh, a beer just spilled. Darn it. I better go ahead and grab a paper towel or a kitchen towel. Let me wipe that down and not freak out. Do I want it? Can it still penetrate down to the wood? Yes. If I'm just going to let it there for several minutes. But if I'm going to go ahead and just like use it, occasionally a drop falls down, I wipe it. 
it's perfectly fine. Nothing's going to happen to it because the wax is preventing it from actually penetrating into the shellac. And in actuality, it wears better yeah. if it has more wax in it. And that, again, is, is debatable, but it's like I've done my test here and I say it does work. So I believe it does. All right. Well, yeah. I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, you know, that's that's a question that I'm sure you get all the time. I know I get it all the time. I'm sure you have heard too, Justin. It's like, well, I'm building this. What type of finish should I put on it? And it's 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 so hard to answer. Um, but for something like a like a dining room table or something like that, myself, I would not use a shellac top coat yeah, on you- the top. Just because of what you just said, Freddie. Um, you know, somebody spills alcohol on it. You might not see it. You might not get a chance to hit it, mm-hmm. but it's easily well, repairable. That- uh, but still, if you don't have to repair it, why bother? One, one last thing I like to say on shellac, because I don't want to beat a dead horse, is, you know, you can apply three coats of shellac and then p- apply two coats of varnish or poly on top of that. And that's perfectly fine. Because what the issue mm-hmm. that I have is, is oil finishes always leave a, f- a piece of furniture looking thirsty, wanting more finish. And then the poly, pl- it makes everything look like mm-hmm. plastic. So for me, the ideal situation is I want a beautiful clarity piece of finish on a piece of furniture that's very durable it's easily repairable but at the same time i can apply something on top of it and give me more durability and in the future if whatever i put on top of it is breaking down and it needs to be stripped well the solvent of shellac is alcohol and a solvent of oil is mineral oil or uh, mineral spirits I should be able to remove the top layer with mineral spirits and some sandpaper or, or an abrasive and not worry about it breaking into the shellac. The shellac layer is still protected. I can then just retop coat everything with a new finish. That's a good point. And we talked about this in the last show, I think mm-hmm. in one of your Freddy's Minutes deal. Um, is it often that you end up softening a finish to take it off and then find out there's another finish under it? When I always repair... Yeah, when I repair furniture, I always start with with a, with the least aggressive solvent in the corner. And once I notice that it starts getting gummy, then I remove that layer and see what's underneath it. And sometimes, or very quite often, if a lot of pieces are old, is they have an, an oil or a poly of sorts on top, and then there is shellac underneath it. So often what I do is I just drench wet solvent rags on top of it especially if it's lacquer, I can remove all that off the top layer and the bottom layer still is protected. And I just quickly sand with 600 or 800 grit sandpaper just to give it some bite, some uniformity, and then re-top coat it. So you don't always have to use a, a, a chemical stripper. Interesting, right. Yeah, I don't think I've ever used a chemical stripper. I've just mm-hmm. used solvents. Yeah. Mainly. Or sandpaper. Mm-hmm. It's paint. That works out really good. So, so guy, you said uh, your what's your favorite film finish? Like film oil? finish? Yeah, uh, I said it's it's what I mentioned before, which is like the 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 wiping varnish that I okay. kind of mix in the shop, which is very very similar to Armor Seal. Okay, which I'm starting to use more and more now. I use that that mixture for years, and that was always my go to. Uh, and if you wanted to get a a thicker film on something like a like a kitchen tabletop where you did not like a, a hugely plastic feel to it but a thicker film finish on it mm-hmm. 
you could just uh, increase the amount of polyurethane that you put on it. Have either of you ever done yeah, no, epiphanes? No, mm -hmm. I've done epiphanes, and I and that's what I tend to use for outdoor stuff is epiphane. Um, oh, what is that stuff called? Well, you know, my my preferred mm -hmm. film finish obviously is shellac, but my preferred oil finish is it's really hard to say. Uh, I, I do like the Waco oil. That's pretty good. Water locks is really good. I like water locks. Yep. Yeah, water locks. You know, it's a water locks. That's what I want. Metallic dryers in there, man-made. Yeah. Some tongue Total. oil, and um, some enhancers for drying, and that works really good. It's commonly used for gym floors originally, and it, it's the reason why it's called water locks is because it locks out water. the The issue with that is is that <clears throat> it takes a really long time to dry. So often I cut yeah. it, cut it like 30% with solvent. And sometimes I often even spray it because if you spray it, especially the term that I like to use is called piss coat. It's a very small mist of, of finish that goes on there. And I can go ahead and do that three or four times in a day and it gives me a good film thickness. And that works out really well. And I prefer that one. And I think it's much more durable mm -hmm. than the... General finishes armor seal. I did a couple pieces with armor seal, and boy, I felt that that was not anywhere near as durable or thick of a film that I would desire on a piece. Yeah, I forgot about water locks. I use water locks quite a bit on cherry. Um, yeah, I like the the. It's got like a, a more of a reddish tone to it, and it really imparts some color to to the cherry. I, I I think I think it looks very good on mahogany as well. Yeah. Yes, it does. The other one that that works out really well is uh, making your own. There's a, the the old like oil finishes that was commonly taught to me at school was we took a spar varnish, we took um, linseed oil, mineral spirits, and basically we put one coat of oil, boiled or one part oil. of oil, yeah, boiled linseed oil, one part of oil, two okay. part varnish, and three part mineral spirits or turpentine. And you mix it all, all, all that together in a container. And then you usually add dryers because the linseed oil takes a long time to dry. And then you're putting it into the varnish. So talk about slowing things down. So usually you put about two capfuls of Japan dryer. And mm -hmm. that's a beautiful finish, both for interior and exterior. The issue to be aware of is that you're going to be building up layers with the spar varnish. And you have to be very careful that you don't, when you're sanding between coats, you don't break through a layer. But overall, that's an extremely durable coat of finish. Mm -hmm. What what makes for a good finish? A harder finish or a more flexible finish? A durable finish? I think it all depends on where it's, where it's going to live. If it's going to live near the water, something more flexible. If it's going to be interior and it's going to get a lot of use and abuse, something flexible again. But if it's just an end table that's occasional use, something brittle is probably good enough. And I think also it all depends on price point. So you know, some of these finishes are becoming more expensive. You said before oh, that sorry? you said that uh, you would prefer a softer finish <clears throat> if it's near water. Mm -hmm. um, why softer? I guess it's not softer, but uh, something that's um, more flexible. It's a term, and usually I get okay. it, it, usually when it comes next to water. Or something exterior, it needs to. It's more of a long oil versus a short oil finish, and that's where the term spar comes in. 
and it has ability to withstand mm-hmm. more abuse and uh, deal with all the air and atmosphere around it from temperature-wise. What, what do you use for outdoors? Let's say for so I, I like to use a spar varnish of sorts, and uh, I probably would use something like uh, Epiphanes, but that's like almost like honey sometimes. So there was a, a Hellman's. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I think Minwax sells Hellman's uh-huh. or works with Minwax. Uh, it's not the old Hellman's, but it's still pretty good. That's a good option. Um, I like to use... Waterlocks has its own exterior spar varnish, and that's sometimes also an option for me, and I do enjoy using that. Would, would you thin Epiphanes? I have thin Epiphanes, um, and I do do like to thin it. I just apply more coats. And again, it says not to thin right. it after the first coat, and I break every rule, and I haven't had an issue. I, same with me. I've thinned it to spray it and put six coats of it on and had never had an issue to get a build. Yeah, I've never, I've never tried that particular finish before. I have used spar varnish before. I, I once used a finish on a exterior door, uh, ICA it might have been mm-hmm. called, which was an Italian finish. I, I went through some loopholes to get this stuff and ended up having to get it from some distributor in New York, and it was a quart can. I think it cost me like $180 for this little quart. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it was a two-part mix, so I had to buy that and then the hardener, and it was nice. Once I, it was one of those ones where you put it in the gun, get it out within the time frame, or it will get hard. And I, I dumped the the remaining part into a cup, and it literally just hardened the whole thing like an epoxy almost. It, but it was crystal clear, pretty nice stuff. That's great. But, yeah, and it 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 held up about as long as Epiphanes did on this door. I mean, it it wasn't worth the extra money, I thought. So. Now, what about water-based finishes that that are available now? Like there's a lot of water-based polyurethanes. You know, I know you use a water-based lacquer. Conversion, yeah. Conversion varnish. Conversion? Yeah. Conversion varnish. Now, I've not used that. I've used, I've used water-based poly, but that's a top coat over something else like a shellac right. or which you is, know, something else. Which is primarily what I'm doing now. And I, I'd i be lying to you if I told you there was a difference between a water-based uh, conversion varnish and, for a lack of better recognition, is uh, Minwax Polycoat. Those two seem absolutely identical to me. The way they work, the way they smell, and just the way they look it's i don't know there's really any difference in them there might be something that makes it a conversion varnish but i'm not sure what it is so (laughs) freddie we might know better than me the issue with uh, finishes that you can buy in a big box store or ace hardware for example is that often those finishes are designed for anyone off the street to pick them up read the directions on the back and be very successful for patrons or client, or, you know, customers to be very successful, um, basically the companies have to manipulate the finish so that it acts really friendly. It's easy to to work and manipulate the finish or the surface. So because of that, 
they're really simple finishes. They're really easy to use, but they may not be the most attractive, the most durable, and the most protective in regards to all the resins and chemicals in it. And unfortunately, they also add other chemicals that are man-made that may not be very good for you to breathe in because they're trying to make everything easier for you. Yeah, low VOC. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the other thing is, you know, I, I, I definitely agree with you on that, Freddie, but, you know, thing is, in my eyes, I like a finish to be simple. Um, it just makes life a lot easier. It, it's, the less complicated it is and the better chance of success I'm going to have with it, the better I feel about it. Uh, shellac for me is a very easy finish because I've been using it for a long time and I have a system down. Um, the oil poly blend I talked about before, very easy finish to lay down and to, to, to get flat. And I think it's pretty durable. So, um, uh, ease of, ease of application is a good thing. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah. there's, and, and, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was just going to agree with Guy and then say that I think that's the reason that once we all figure out a finish that we like, we stick with it. Mm-hmm. Because that's it, it's it's a technique thing, and you eventually figure out the best that works for you, and then why leave it if it's working? Type yeah, thing. if it's not don't, broke, don't fix it. Yes, yeah, don't break. And, and the same thing can be said about Sam Maloof. Sam Maloof always made his own simple oil finish, and everything he did looked beautiful. So yeah, he found one that worked for him, stuck with it. Exactly. Right. Well, I. Uh, I want to go a lot further with this, um, and I think you guys do too. Why don't we wrap this episode up, and then we'll do another episode on this in episode twenty-one, part two. Yeah, let's get a general shout out, a shout out for questions too, so we can kind of drive the conversation into specific concerns that some people have. Mm-hmm. And, and and keep in mind, we're only going to answer certain questions that we know we can answer. If we if we don't have an actual answer for you, we're gonna we're gonna tell you we don't. So I don't it, know. it might get brushed over. But <laughs> yeah, I I mean there, there there's finishes that we haven't used. So yeah. how can we answer those questions? So correct, correct. But and you know really if we haven't used it, it basically means you don't need to use it. <laughs> that, that's that's, a, that's right. a good point. That is a very good point. You know, because, the note there should be we should contact all the major manufacturer finish, and there should be a little stamp on it, the Freddie Roman seal of approval there you go <laughs> i agree with it's, that one it's, F, it's freddie roman approved or how about a little stamp symbol this has been on freddie's minute <laughs> yes. whatever his little thing yes. as as featured on freddie roman's freddie roman's finishing minute yeah that's the freddie roman's finishing minute approved <laughs> i'm gonna make stickers up i'm gonna start putting them on cans everywhere i see them <laughs> all right um guy where can you be found <laughs> I can be found sitting in my office doing this podcast most yeah. Monday afternoons. Um, best place to find me is guyswoodshop.com. There, there's links to everything I do and all my stuff. So what about you, Justin? You can find me at jdfinewoodworking at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Instagram, which is Justin underscore De Palma. Freddie? The easiest is periodcraftsman.com. It's crafts with an S and men with an E. What about all of us, Guy? Where can they reach us? Uh, you can 
get a copy of all our backlog of these by going to iTunes or you can go to the atgpodcast.com and you can also help support this channel by or this the show by going to patreon.com slash the atg podcast become yes. a patron and just so you know we discovered the other day that on soundcloud our show has not been uploading uh it was an overlook by me and i'm working on fixing that so get to we work should, yeah yeah we were available there but apparently it's the only the first intro show that's the only thing that's been available so very much sorry for that but we are on stitcher and itunes and our website good are we on google play all right yes no we're not <laughs> i thought we were we get we better, maybe we better go ahead and check oh. it then <laughs> <laughs> i use itunes <laughs> that's where i know it is mm-hmm. um i'll look i think we are on google play okay yeah we are on google play i thought we were yeah all right. I don't check the other ones because I don't use them. So, yes, yes, folks, we it. are we are professional woodworkers and businessmen. We are not tech gurus. No. So sorry, you're going to have to live with us. Sorry, I'm a guru, but not <laughs> yeah. a tech guru. Correct. Yeah, you guys own a little sticker to prove it. <laughs> yep, Freddie Roman approved. Yeah. All right. Till next week. We'll wrap this up. Finish it. Finish it in the next one. So. Thank you, everybody. All right. We'll see you later. We'll talk to you. See you.